0: what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning. Uh, It's 9.51 a.m. on November the 2nd, 2018, getting this off a little bit late. Because I went to school with my son and had breakfast with a whole bunch of kindergartners, and it was a lot more fun than you might think. Um, that said, let's get into vital statistics. It looks like Bitcoin's getting a nice little, well, a, a nice little recovery, not really a bump, uh, from the uh, red candle that we had a few days ago. And its price is averaging six thousand four hundred and seventeen ninety three. It looks like the high is going to be at HIT BTC with 4209 And the low is going to be Gemini with $6,357. Uh, transactions over the last four hours, nominal um, $268,967 with 11,000 transactions per hour. See, so sent over the last 24 hours is 1 million Bitcoin. Average sent per hour is 42,500 Bitcoin. Average transaction value is up 3.79 BTC. And a median transaction value is stable at 0.035, or about $220 United States. Block time is back to where it should be 10 minutes and 26 seconds. Blocks over the last 24 hours is 136. With average uh, six blocks uh, average per hour reward per block. Looks like they're uh, picking up uh, 0. 0.128 BTC for fees. 1,700 uh, Bitcoin have been generated in the last 24 hours with 17.4 BTC taken in fees. We've lost 7.6% of the hash rate in the last 24 hours. It's down sitting around 55 uh, 0.6 exahashes per second. Uh, last GitHub commit was yesterday, uh, November the 1st. Uh, Bcash is still has yet to commit since September 29th. Um, Bcash is still seeing uh, a whole bunch of transactions per over the last 24 hours. Uh, it's sitting at 453,875. Again, people not organic across the board. Ethereum has finally crept back over the $200 mark on average. Bcash is 457. Litecoin is 51.7. Ethereum classic is 9.18. Bitcoin gold is 27.49. And dogecoin is smack dab where it should be or where it has been at 0.0038. Um, that's going to do it for the vitals. Other than to say that something's going on with uh, with B cash. Be, be on guard uh, for so I don't know what's going on with this thing, but it has gone from an average transact or transactions over the last 24 hours used to average around 17,000 to 20,000, and for the last two days, it's been in six-figure territory. Uh watch out. Somebody's about to pull something sneaky. Let's move on to the morning. Oh, no wait. A Let's move on to uh, Bitcoin history. Bitcoin history is brought to you by the satoshi-nakamoto-institute.org. Uh, he, they have, uh, Pierre Rochard and uh, some others, have archived the entire, as much of the writings of Satoshi Nakamoto as possible. Uh, there's, I'm just going to read a couple of emails. Uh, because when Satoshi Nakamoto uh, delivered the first email announcing the white paper for Bitcoin, as we know, he did it on October the 31st, 2008 uh t- the very fir- it looks like the very first email reply or reply that he got back to that email was from a James A Donald on this day November the 2nd 2008 at 11:46 p.m. I have zero idea uh, time stamp probably doesn't matter because I don't know where <laughs> what uh, time zone any of this was was taken from because these are as you know, 10 years old. So he's replying to Satoshi Nakamoto's uh, announcement of the white paper. And he writes back and says, we very, very much need such a system, but the way I understand your proposal, it does not seem to scale to the required size for transferable proof of work tokens to have value they must have monetary value. To have monetary value they must be transferred within a very large network. For example a file trading network akin to BitTorrent. (coughs) To detect and reject a double spending event in a timely manner one must have most past transactions of the coins in the transaction which naively implemented requires each peer to have most past transaction transactions or most past pu- eh, or most past transactions that occurred recently if hundreds of millions of people are doing transactions that is a lot of bandwidth each must know all or a substantial part thereof Uh, Satoshi writes back and he writes back November the 3rd yeah uh, November the 3rd so I'm just going to do this one and, and, and leave it here long before the network gets anywhere near as large as that it would be safe for users to use simplified payment verification section 8 he's referring to the white paper to check for double spending which only requires having the chain of block headers or about 12 kilobytes per day. Only people trying to create new coins would need to run network nodes. At first, most users would run network nodes, but as the network grows beyond a certain point, it would be left more and more to specialists with server farms or of specialized hardware. A server farm would only need to have one node on the network and the rest of the land connects with that one node. The bandwidth might not be as prohibitive as you think. A typical transaction would be about 400 bytes. ECC is nicely compact. Each transaction has to be broadcast twice, so let's say one kilobyte per transaction. Visa processed 37 billion transactions in fiscal year 2008, or an average of 100 million transactions per day. That many transactions would take 100 gigabytes of bandwidth, or the size of 12 DVD or two HD quality movies, or about $18 worth of bandwidth at current prices. If the network were to get that big, it would take several years, and by then, sending two HD movies over the internet would probably not seem like a big deal. Satoshi Nakamoto. So there's your day in Bitcoin history. Roundup is brought to you by Lulz, specifically the Lulz of the uh, letter that Tether produced, vouching for their uh, uh, bank, depo- uh, bank deposits. Yeah, it's pretty. It's it's. <laughs> I don't know, man. If I was Tether, I don't think I would have. Uh, I would have done this. But this this story is from CoinDesk.com. Nicholas Day. Um, Stablecoin issuer uh, Tether Limited confirmed Thursday it was banking with Bahamas-based Deltec Bank and Trust Limited and published a letter purportedly from the institution as evidence of its reserves. The company, which issues the controversial Tether USDT stablecoin, (coughs) has long been under fire over concerns that it does not have the fiat holdings to fully back the tokens in circulation. It had been rumored for weeks to be working with Deltec, but did not previously acknowledge the relationship. The acceptance of Tether Limited as a client of Deltec came after their due diligence review of our company, the issuer said in a blog post, adding, This included, notably, an analysis of our compliance processes, policies, and procedures, a full background check of the shareholders, ultimate beneficiaries and officers of our company and assessments of our ability to maintain the USD peg at any moment and our treasury management policies. So, okay, so you know I won't read the whole thing, but but what I do want to do is, um, oh, good Lord, where'd it go? Is read the letter. Hold on for a sec. Okay, I found it. All right, so um, this is from... This is from Tether. Uh, this is their Tether banking relationship announced. Uh, it's on their, on their website, and it states, Tether Limited is pleased to confirm that it has established a banking relationship with Deltec Bank & Trust Limited, a 72-year-old finan- financial institution with headquarters in the Commonwealth of the Bahamas. The acceptance of Tether Limited as a client of Tech came after their due diligence review of our company. This included, notably, an analysis of our compliance processes, policies, and procedures, full background check, blah blah blah. We, we've already read that. So, but it does include a direct link uh, to the PDF that to the PDF that is the letter from Deltek Bank, and I want to read that to you now, uh, dated November first, twenty eighteen, Tether Limited. And they give their full address in Taiwan. Um, <laughs> what I don't know, man. I don't know if I don't I I would have re- probably I would have redacted that if I was if I had been tethered, but there it is. Their full address is for all the world to see. Dear sirs, we hereby confirm that as of close of business on October 31st, 2018, the portfolio cash value of your account with our bank was $1.831 billion U.S. This letter is provided without any liability, however arising on the part of Deltec Bank & Trust Limited. It's officers, directors, employees, and shareholders and is solely based on the information currently in our possession, yours faithfully, Deltec Bank & Trust Limited. And there's like literally a squiggly line and like a little dot with a slash as the signature line. So a couple things about this, this letter doesn't mean shit. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. It, it, it doesn't, it, it, I have no idea if Deltec sent this letter and even if they did, listen, we're, we're going to come back to Deltec's uh, authenticity here in a second. The port, it states that the portfolio cash value of your account with our bank was $1.8 billion. Okay, is that. That's not saying that this is USD held in an account. It's the cash value. They could, for the love of God, no, have a shit ton of EOS held. They could have other cryptocurrencies. They could be sitting on. Uh, other foreign fiat currencies. We don't know. We just know that as of October 31st, 2018, the portfolio cash value of the account was $1.8 billion USD. All right. So that doesn't matter because we don't know if it's... At that point, we don't know if it's pegged to the dollar or not. Because if it said... If it had said the cat the cash in USD of your account with our bank was 1.8 billion dollars, that's one thing. That is not what this says. It clearly says cash value. So automatically, I don't believe it. Second thing, <coughs> there is no seal of the bank on this. There's just their telephone number, their um Website and their PO box in the Bahamas. Okay, no, 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 no. What probably should have been done is that they should have included that bank's medallion. All banks have a medallion. It's sort of like uh, going and and like I had to go get a bank medallion for I I had a uh, was trying to recover a lost savings bond. And uh, the way that I had to do it through the U.S. Treasury is, they said, "Look, you know, we'll do this, but you need to you need to go to your bank, and they need to seal this, uh, basically sign it with their bank's medallion." And it's like getting um, going to a, um, it's sort of like getting notarized, like a document notarized where you sign, they sign, and then they stamp it with a seal of the notary public. Um, I don't know what other countries do, but in banking, banks have a medallion, and I had to go get them to seal this letter to the U.S. Treasury with a medallion. And what the medallion did was prove to the United States Treasury that they have a relationship with me. Um, it proved without, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that I have that I bank there, that they have. My social security number is on file. They know my account numbers clearly. They know where my address is because they're sending me bank statements. They know my, they know, they know me. That's what the bank medallion provides. There is, I mean, in this particular case, even though it's the bank themselves sending this, they didn't seal it with their medallion. Now, I don't know if that really is going to make a whole bunch of difference, but one thing is clear for me. Without that, or without any other kind of proof whatsoever, this letter means absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. So, not probably the best move Tether could have made to ensure the the public will trust them. Moving on up the stack. (coughs) Uh, Merchandamus, at (coughs) M-U-R-C-H-A-N-D-A-M-U-S, tweets out, PSA, blockchain.info is out of sync. Their block explorer is showing a transaction with 508 confirmations still as unconfirmed. Don't rely on data from blockchain solely. Check other explorers as well, e.g. smartbit.com.au or btc.com. And that's good advice because looking into the uh, screenshot that he provided, um, it's clear that at the same time, Or it seems that, yeah, at the same time, that blockchain info was showing a particular block, and they give the the, uh, block address, um, as being completely unconfirmed, whereas SmartBit was showing it with 508 confirmations. So nothing against blockchain.info, but it's good advice to, if you really, really, really need to find out. If a transaction that you've made or expect you know, or a transaction that you're interested in is confirmed, uh, check two or three block explorers, not just one. Block.info is not the only block explorer. It's probably the oldest, but um, you know, even though that it's the oldest, uh, it's still it still got out of sync. So there you go. Be careful where you get your information. Next up in the stack is a bummer. Bummer bummer bummer. Because I like Charlie Shrim, but it appears that Charlie Shrim is get, getting sued by the Winklevi for $32 million in Bitcoin. And this is uh this is out today. I really wish authors would put their their byline. Stop. Good God. Okay, well, this is from CoinSpice.io. But whoever wrote this, I, I can't find their uh, their byline, so I can't give uh, give their um, appropriate appropriate kudos. Bitcoin pioneer Charlie Shrem sued by Winklevoss. The lawsuit erroneously alleges that about six years ago, Charlie essentially misappropriated thousands of bitcoins. Shrem's lawyer wrote in a release statement on this matter. Nothing could be further from the truth. Charlie plans to vigorously defend himself and quickly clear his name. Nathaniel Popper of the New York Times quoted from the lawsuit, "...either Shrim has been incredibly lucky and successful since leaving prison, or, more likely, he acquired his six properties, two Maseratis, two powerboats, and other holdings, with the appreciated value of the 5,000 bitcoins he stole from the brothers." Charlie Shrem has the dubious distinction of being the first quasi-crypto celebrity to be convicted and serve prison time related to Bitcoin activity. He was arrested in 2014, and you guys can and you know go and, and read the rest of the article. But yeah, Shrem's going to get sued by two people I wouldn't want to get sued by. Uh, the Winklevoss twins uh, have been in this space for a long time. Um, they don't really show their heads, you know, pop their heads above uh, water very often, but. Uh, they're, they're OGs, man. Don't, don't mistake the Winklevi for being some kind of new, you know, new kids on the block or anything. They've, they've been in the space for years and they've been watching the space probably for as long as the space has been alive. Um, so I was unaware that Shrim had six houses, um, yes, or six properties, two power boats, Maseratis, you know, I, I wasn't aware that trim actually owned that. And it's kind of, it kind of sucks that they put that in, you know, that that that's been released to the public cause it's kind of private information. But I mean, you know, people are going to sue who they can sue and, and that information is going to come out. So uh, now that apparently a lawsuit has indeed been filed, Um, Now all this information is being public. So I don't know what to think about. I like Charlie. I really do. I've liked him a lot. Um, It seemed like a, you know, a really solid Joe. So we'll have to see how this, how how this goes, but it kind of doesn't look good. Um, Maseratis are expensive, you know, properties are expensive. So unless he can kind of come up with how much money he's making on a month over month basis through, Private endeavors of his own accord, uh, he may he may have all this shit garnered. I don't know. He probably should have just kept it in a hob- in a cold wallet or something. I don't know. And we don't know if he stole it. We don't know. I mean, so we can't go around you know jumping to conclusions. But uh, he is getting sued, and that's kind of a bummer because, like I said, I I I like Charlie. I really do. And last up in the stack uh, at BTC underscore Joe. <laughs> tweets <coughs> tweets a screenshot of ran <coughs> crypto man ran ran nurinair however you pronounce that name um he tweeted out apparently if this bear market lasts another two years the market goes down another fifty percent and ninety percent of your alts go to zero will you still be here and <laughs> I re- he actually you know ran kind of famously. um told people to short the yearly low and I don't listen to what Rand has to say let's just let's just say that when Rand talks I don't know but redacted Joe has the best best reply to this because he just says bottom probably probably you know I mean every time Rand opens his mouth or God forbid forbid CNBC's fast money every time they open their holes you know counter trade man if you're going to trade, counter-trade on on what Rand says, and, and by all means, listen to CNBC's Fast Money because nobody gets shit more wrong. And that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Marty's Bent, one of my favorite times of the, of the show. I love reading Marty's Bent to you guys. So uh, today is, well, actually, this is his from yesterday, uh, issue number 352, the battle lines for Bitcoins should. And he's got a a quote here from uh, what looks like a medium piece. In fact, codifying and refining these rules is our challenge. By leaving, Satoshi left that task to us. Consistently define the protocol, give it a soul, and let it grow and adapt while being true to its original essence. This is an ongoing challenge, and we learn more and more about its essence with each passing battle, hostile fork, and attempted corporate takeover. Marty's bit, when you get a chance, make sure you put 15 minutes aside to peep this piece, link given. That Nick Carter dropped last night as most of the world was collecting, plus consuming candy, imbibing alcohol, or a combination of both. As always, Nick does an incredible job of lucidly describing Bitcoin's current condition in the context of its whole existence. One thing I love in particular that Nick brings to light, Bitcoin's unorganized, chaotic, and undefined governance structure gives it a soul that keeps advocates engaged and passionate. We are currently currently in a lull after a long-fought war over the block size. The dust is settling, narratives and marketing pitches are being fine-tuned and consolidated, and the bear market is beginning to bore the hell out of everyone. There will be more turmoil ahead. I think Nick's attempt to help define what has caused strife within Bitcoin in the past is incredibly important as we develop a new base from which to argue during the next inevitable disagreement over the future direction of the protocol. Do yourselves a favor and read it. Final thought, MailChimp was down for most of the morning, so I wasn't able to go in as much as I would have liked to. Back to wage-chucking. Sorry, back to wage cuckin'. Yeah, I hear you, Marty. Um, Yeah, Nick Carter is an excellent, excellent writer. And if you're not reading um, at least a couple of his pieces, you know, a couple of his more famous pieces, you're missing out. Uh, Nick's got his head wrapped firmly around what's going on. um, And he is uh, very, very, very seldom, seldom does he write anything that um, isn't very, very important. To, to you know sp- keep in your back pocket so uh, we want to thank Marty Bent for Marty's Bent and you can find Marty Bent over at Marty's Bent on Twitter and we will read Marty's Bent when Marty Bent has a new Marty's Bent <laughs> Terrible Joke Corner is brought to you today by A Man in the Desert We'll get to that in a sec. What did one hat say to another? You stay here. I'll go on ahead. Love it. That's really good. That's not bad at all. Uh, it's an enjoyable bad joke. Today's Daily Train Wreck is brought to you by Nick Carter, who has an excerpt from a Wired magazine article about, uh, uh, well, Nick says, how Wired thinks we do key management. And the expert says, uh, Hardcore crypto fans sometimes take it up a notch, resorting to paper wallets, i.e. a sheet of paper printed with a string of digits or an equivalent QR code, which can be typed or scanned at the time of payment. It is not infrequent for these offline or cold storage wallets to be guarded in oddball ways, including Faraday cage-equipped air-gapped safes or padlocked briefcases perpetually lugged around by their owners. Needless to say cold storage wallets score high on security but they are much less usable than smartphone wallets and these demonstrate these statements demonstrate what we're dealing with what this is usable much less usable than a smartphone Okay, this is actually where where I'm thinking the train wreck is, but they are much less usable than smartphone wallets. Of course, they're less usable than smartphone wallets. It's because it's cold storage. It's not designed to do that. It's not designed to be where I can just whip out my cold wallet and have access to my keys. That's not the way that we do operational security people. And if you're doing it that way, you're going to end up losing your Bitcoin. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So don't listen to what Wired has to say. And if you've got like a, like if you're thinking about, you know, getting a cold storage, like a hardware wallet, like a Trezor or something like that, go for it, man. You're not a tinfoil hat wearing idiot because you want to keep your money safe. That's just stupid. And Wired is acting in kind of an unethical way in uh, kind of presenting... Us people that do have the wherewithal to to go get cold storage, you know, making us turn us into people that look like we wear tinfoil hats, and you know, freak out over over like everything under the sun. That's not true. Anyway, don't listen to Wired. They have zero idea what they're talking about here. It's up to us to educate them. Eventually, somebody will be writing for Wired magazine that does get it. But until that time. I wouldn't listen to a single word that this rag has to say. So that was daily train wrecked for November the second. Okay, before I get into the outro here, I'm going to get some want to get some final words in because a very good friend of mine, and you know who you are. Uh, last night sent me uh, an article from the New York times and um, let me, uh, let me go back to the actual, to the actual thing. Um, yeah. Cause he, he sends me this, this article, a cryptocurrency millionaire wants to build a utopia in Nevada. And, you know, he's new to, to, he's new to what's going on here. Um, And I wanted to take a few minutes to kind of address the fact that I kind of, I didn't blow up, but I'd said, stop listening to these people. They are all scammers. I know of this and it's BS Bitcoin, only Bitcoin to which he replies, you okay, (laughs) which is perfectly reasonable. It's just that most people that haven't been, you know, been in this space for as long as as I have and I haven't been in you know I mean I've been in since the bottom of the bear market of 2015 so what we're talking like August 2015 and it's been a hell of a ride for me it's been a hell of an education but one of the things that I have been most educated upon is the fact that 99.99% of this space is filled with bullshit artists liars scammers greedy people that don't give a shit about you, your future, your family. They will do everything that they can to take your Bitcoin away from you. And if you don't have Bitcoin, they'll figure out a way to get your fiat from you. So I don't, I'm going to kind of read a little bit. This is a story from Nathaniel Popper. We've heard about Nathaniel Popper before, and he's writing from, um, Uh, Story County, Nevada. An enormous plot of land in the Nevada desert bigger than nearby Reno has been the subject of local intrigue since a company with no history, (laughs) Blockchains LLC, bought it for $170 million in cash this year. The man who owns the company, a lawyer and cryptocurrency millionaire named Jeffrey Burns, Put on a helmet and climbed into a Polaris off-road vehicle last week to give us a tour of the sprawling property and dispel a bit of the mystery. He imagines a sort of experimental community spread over about 100 square miles where houses, schools, commercial districts, and production studios will be built. The centerpiece of this giant project will be the blockchain, a new kind of database that was introduced by Bitcoin. Okay, stop right there. Stop it. The centerpiece of a city is the blockchain, the most inefficient, nasty, ugly, crappiest way that you can pick to do something that doesn't need it. And we've seen this. We've seen this so many times that freaking tea company, they made, they made tea that you drink and they changed their name and put blockchain in it. And they had nothing to do with blockchain and nothing to do with Bitcoin and their stock shot up to the point that I think they actually had to halt the trading of said company. And now those people are in trouble with the SEC. Okay, we've seen people drop blockchain into their project, their bio, their white paper, their elevator pitch, their tarot frickin card reading. I don't I don't know. We've seen it so many times that it is laughable. So every time, every single time I see somebody who's going to put mail on the blockchain, or we're going to deliver, we're going to keep track of where your fresh fruit comes from on the blockchain, or we're going to do how to wipe your ass with the blockchain, you should just turn around and walk away because 99.99% of the time, one of two things is true the person saying the bullshit that they're saying is either trying to get all of your money and leave you with nothing, or they have zero idea of what they are talking about. Either one is just as dangerous as the other, because you will lose your money. So this kind of bullshit, this building utopias based on the blockchain out in the middle of fricking Nevada, where there's no water, I mean, Las Vegas has pretty much taking up all available water. It's like Lake Powell is going to probably be empty in 50 years. Where are you going to get the water? You're going to get it on the blockchain? Maybe you can order it on the blockchain there, Jeffrey Burns. So I think that this is most likely a scam. Don't invest in it. Or, or if you want to invest in it, Hey, that's fine. But if your money gets lost because this dude doesn't know what the hell he's doing or the hell he's talking about, it's on you. All right. And this, this, of course, I, I don't think my friend is actually thinking about investing in it, but I just want to be clear that this space is very dangerous. It's one of the most dangerous spaces that there is right now. It is probably the most dangerous space since the wild west. Not surprisingly, blockchain and Bitcoin is, have been referred to as the Wild Wild West for years because it is there's no regulation or a very scant amount of regulation. there's nobody that you that will protect you and get you your money back if you invest in blockchain based cities and shit there's there's no recourse. So there's two things that you do until this until this stuff is worth so much that you don't care. Um, there's two things you do. You acquire Bitcoin. You store Bitcoin. You forget that you own Bitcoin. And God, don't tell anybody that you got Bitcoin. We've seen people get freaking abducted for that kind of stuff. And as far as the cryptocurrency millionaire named Jeffrey Burns, how do we know? We don't know if he's got that much cryptocurrency. Because by the very, the very nature of cryptocurrency is, I don't know the name, his wallet address, I can't go check it. Unless Jeffrey Burns, and I'll find, you know, I'll look into it a little bit more, has revealed like a public key that I can go look at a wallet and say, well, you know, it's more, more now likely that he is a crypto millionaire than, than not. Then, yeah, but I, I, I would still be unable to, you know, nobody's, nobody can really verify that. So beware when people say cryptocurrency millionaires unless they have absolutely proved it. And if you are dumb enough to dock yourself by proving that you own so much cryptocurrency that you're a millionaire, hire bodyguards because you just outed yourself. So that's gonna do it for the rant on scammers. Um, we'll go. I'm gonna go ahead and leave that here. We'll do. We'll, we'll do the out. And uh, you can follow me at b e n n d seven seven on Twitter. Uh, From there, you can launch into all the rest of my miscreant deeds, Um, the all the stuff in the morning roundup, and this particular article we were just talking about by Nathaniel Popper is going to be in my curated Twitter timeline, which is in the show notes. So you'll be able to see exactly what I'm talking about. Um, Other than that, that's going to do it for that's going to do it for this morning and for November the second, two thousand eighteen. Go out, have a lovely day. Don't get scammed. Please don't get scammed. Please don't get scammed. And we want to r- wish our brother Charlie Shrem uh, luck in his um, fight with a upcoming fight with the Winklevi. Um, I hope he. I hope he didn't. I hope he didn't steal those coins. Is all I got to say. And if he didn't, then I wish him all the best and I wish him all the luck. Um, otherwise, we'll catch you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and